All right. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is the 94 Feet and Beyond podcast with your host, Sam Berg, co-host Joe Martinez on the Anchor Podcast performance line today for us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a football-filled episode uh, for you. Of course, uh, the NFL started this week, and uh, we're about two weeks into uh, college football, so quite a bit to talk about here, especially since we really haven't talked here in about a month or so, probably, so a lot to get to today. Uh, recording live from the Clinton Drive Studios, um, back at it again, uh, Joe, welcome in. And we're going to get started here with some college football. Um, just want to talk real quick about the early game. Uh, number four, Ohio, the Ohio State going down against Oregon. Um, Joe, did you catch any of that one? I caught a few minutes of the game here and there. Uh, you know, Oregon's offense did really good. They're definitely a force to be reckoned with, uh, putting the Pac-10, or I believe it's the Pac-10 or Pac-12, one of the two, I forgot what they're called, but, you know, it's really easy to forget their conference, they're not very strong in that category anymore, but they definitely put them on the map with that signature win, uh, you know, they did a, had a little bit of fun after the game trolling them by putting the rubber duck at midfield, but Oregon, all around, they just, they look solid, um, they had a little bit of a rough start to the second half. Oregon looked like they started going away from the from the run game that had been working for them. Started passing the ball very late. A lot of, you know, miscues, really bad uh, time management, if you will, and defense looked to be a little bit too relaxed and give Ohio State that chance to come back both and they pulled it off, so congrats to them, and I think number four is rightfully deserved. Yeah, it looked like uh, they kind of built the lead early and coasted on the rest of the game and narrowly held them off. But a huge victory for the Pac-12, especially after last week um, when UCLA took down um, LSU. That was another big win for them. Um, so far, the Pac-12s looked pretty strong with those couple wins. I think there was a couple others that, um, well, um, Colorado almost beat uh, Texas A&M this weekend, unranked Colorado. Um, of course, the big story on that one, Joe, was uh, A&M starting quarterback went down after the second series. Um, did get to watch a good good amount of that. Of course, the defense played really well, holding you know holding Colorado to seven points. Uh, a couple times. Uh, you know, Colorado had driven down. I think they ended one drive on the five and, or maybe even lower than that and uh, elected to go for it on fourth down, keeping the aggression going. Um, but ultimately got stood up on the goal line um, by the, the um, Aggie defense. And uh, there was another drive. They were like on uh, – the Aggie 40-yard line, 30 or 40-yard line, they elected to go on fourth down and didn't convert again. Um, so that's, you know, another, um, you know, couple 
field goal opportunities that they bypassed and they were up like seven to zero at the time. Um, so it's, it's tough to see, you know, those guys go down when they played pretty well, you know, especially when they had decent drives like that, that stalled out and just didn't turn out. Um, Joe, any thoughts about A&M moving forward? Thoughts about the game? Um, what we might see from them and what the extent of the injury may or may not be for their starting quarterback, because I haven't really heard anything on that yet. I haven't heard anything really on the extent of injury, but if he's missing a considerable amount of time, uh, I expect A&M to at least lose the next three, four games, especially heading into conference play. So uh, I agree with the, you know, with the rankings, them dropping all the way from number five. I think they dropped to like 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, backup didn't look very, very strong from that outing. Maybe, you know, maybe it was just the first game jitter for him, but if he's not going to be consistent and push the ball down the field or and give his team a compete, I mean, that, that, that defense can only do so much. So it's really unfortunate for them, you know. They, they're little brother, but, you know, you always want to cheer on the Texas schools to kind of, you know, continue putting those, you know, Texas on the map mm-hmm. kind of thing. It just helps. I mean, it, it helps, you know, really the state of Texas with retaining recruits and, and whatnot. So, and really the ultimate goal, I think, for anybody, especially in the SEC, is to be able to take down Alabama. So it's unfortunate for Anna. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, hopefully the guy's able to go. Uh, maybe miss a week or two or less, but um, you know if they're going to have to rely on the freshman that came in, that you know obviously he'll do better whenever he's got a little more you know first team reps and preparation on uh, you know the weeks leading up to the games. But I don't know, you know, flipping from a guy that they had that was going to be, you know, basically their four-year star, three-year star um, starting QB to this guy is going to be a dramatic change for them. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough if that guy's out for a considerable amount of time of the season. And they may even end up unranked if he's out for, you know, a large amount of time. Um, think that, you know, they've got their, you know, probably another uh, couple week opponents before conference and then, you know, conference play will start and then they will have to, you know, step back up and start playing well. So we'll see. It really just depends on the QB for them. Um, of course, the huge loss for the Longhorns on Saturday night, we watched together and, um, you know, of course, for me, I was pretty excited after how they played that first week, a ranked matchup against uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Um, they played really well. Uh, freshman quarterback Hudson Card had a really good game that week. Um, defense played phenomenal. Uh, I think the final score was like 38-10 to 10 or something like that in that one. And uh, – you know, things were looking pretty good, especially against a, a Louisiana team that is the uh, oldest team in the NCAA. They have the most seniors on the roster coming off that first responder bowl win last year. Um, 
and they have a really good rushing offense, which was basically shut down by the guys last week. But going into a hostile territory with the Razorbacks, they were not able to perform. Um, especially Hudson Card had a really rough go. Um, I think Casey Thompson came in mid-third quarter and ended up throwing for more yards and touchdowns than Card. Um Today, Sarkeesian named uh, Thompson the starting quarterback going forward against Rice this week. Um, Of course, he's going to light it up against Rice. Um, It's really going to depend on how he plays um, in the week after that against Texas Tech. I believe that's at Texas Tech, and it's going to be an 11 a.m. game. Um for the guys now that the horns are unranked and I don't think tech is ranked either. Um, we'll keep talking about this one, but Joe, what, what are some thoughts on what you saw from the horns and what should we expect moving forward from these guys? Uh, the defense really looked to have taken a step back considering uh, what, the, what they did in week one. I think they need to clean up the, the rush offense. It looks like they got a little exposed. And if our rush defense isn't going to perform very well, that's pretty much the recipe for everybody to beat them, especially Oklahoma, who relies heavy on the play-action passing with uh, Spencer Rattler. Uh, had a lot of huge drops. It, it seemed very uncharacteristic, but he needs to clean that up, you know, Hudson Card, he was taking shots down the field, but he couldn't seem to adjust to the wind. And on throws, he was adjusting again. Winnington was just dropping everything. Receivers weren't really getting any separation or winning their one-on-one battles. Uh, offensive line was getting bullied. Defensive line was getting bullied. And really, that game was won in the trenches for uh, Arkansas. So, I mean, really, you just got to tip their hat to them. And it kind of begs the question, you know, is Arkansas better than what everybody originally thought, or is Texas overrated again? Yeah, it's tough to see, especially after that week one performance. I really, I mean, I thought it could be a close game. I really thought that we'd win um, just based on how they played the last week and, um, you know, just going off rankings. But, yeah, like you said, maybe they're overrated again. You know, start of a a new coaching era is always an adjustment period. There's going to, you know, of course, he's only really got a, a handful of guys that he recruited in the program. Um, you know, a large number of the guys that are there now are Tom Herman players. Um, but that's not to say that they're not talented enough to win at that level. Um, they've got all the talent they need to be able to succeed and uh, win ball games like that and, you know, the rest of their schedule. I mean, you know, looking at the rest of their schedule, the toughest games are going to be against uh, OU and, uh, you know, whoever else, maybe Iowa State. Um they're ranked um, decently high, but they ended up losing to the Hawkeyes um, on Saturday. Um, everybody else in the Big 12 hasn't really made any big waves yet that I know of. Um, but I think ultimately moving to 
Casey Thompson at starting quarterbacks, the right move, a uh, veteran guy, a uh, guy that's had success, um, especially in the Alamo Bowl. He came in after, you know, two series or so that Ellinger was in and came in and won the game for us. Uh, I think he threw for, you know, 170 yards or so and two or three touchdowns that game and had some rushing yards. Um, you know, he's a redshirt junior, uh, been in the program for a while, obviously not Sarkeesian's program, but in a, you know, a Texas program nonetheless, and knows the ropes around the big 12. Um, and he knows what it takes to win. He sat behind a, a proven winner in Sam Ellinger. Uh, so I think it's ultimately the right adjustment. Uh, we may not, you know, see him as pinpoint accurate as some of the throws that card was making, but he's going to be pretty close and he's going to be, uh, you know, definitely more mobile than card. Uh, so there's the threat of the run again with him at quarterback. Um, like you said, the run defense was lackluster. They ran all over us. I think they had three to 400 yards on the ground. That was really the killer thing. They weren't making huge passes downfield. There was a couple, but really not too many. Um, the left side of our offensive line was terrible. They were getting clean hits on Hudson Card, especially in the first half. Um, not getting enough push for the running backs to really be able to create anything. Um of course, Jordan Whittington had three or four big drops on big downs um, that, you know, you've got to make, especially with the freshman quarterback. Um, so it's they're going to have to really regroup, and uh, hopefully Thompson's the answer and we can figure out the offensive line issues and really the defensive line issues as well. Um of course, there was the really, I don't know what the issue is with uh, Cameron Dicker punting now. Um, he's punted the first two games for us. Uh, most of his punts look pretty good, but there was one that was considerably bad that ended up turning into a touchdown. Uh, kicked it right into the face of the guy that was um, on defense, and they ended up starting on like the 10-yard line and punched it in. I mean, it's just I don't I don't know if he was a punter in high school or what his background on that was or why we don't have a scholarship punter on the roster, but that's another issue that needs to be addressed. Um, any more thoughts on the horns before we move on to uh, some more college football stuff? No, I agree. Uh, I think the one thing I will say is that. Casey Thompson went into the game a little too late. Uh, oh, we, both yeah. we both discussed it while the game was going on. You know, it's okay to leave Hudson Card in. Three minutes left in the first half. Uh, we were hoping that Casey Thompson would come out at the start of the third, but, you know, he kept the card, came back out. And if, as a coach, if, you know, our opinion, if you see that he's struggling in the, you know, the very next series or the next two series of the third quarter, you know, take them out. You know, there's no shame in it. The worst that can do is Casey Thompson struggles just as bad. And, you know, you tip your hat and you're just like, you know, we got beat up by a damn good defense or 
Casey Thompson comes back, you know, pitches a shutout pretty much and lights it up. We go to OT, etc. He can mm-hmm. say, you know, he's probably the better QB. And Saturday, he looked like he's the better QB going forward. So we'll see. You know, sometimes the results aren't always in practice. Sometimes there's, you know, there's. I'm a firm believer that there's damn good people that are good at practice, but when it comes to game time, for whatever reason, they just can't perform. Yeah. I mean, I think Card's ultimately the future. I mean, he's a freshman. But uh, I think for now, uh, maybe for this season, Casey Thompson will be the cue uh, going forward, and that's what Sarkeesian has done. And, you know, looking at all the coaching issues we've had in the past here um, on the 40 acres, you know, most recently with Herman, um, was his lack of adjustments that was made in game and, you know, from game to game. So at least we're seeing an adjustment by Sarkeesian early saying, okay, well, this guy I thought was going to be the man. Um, Luckily, we have another good quarterback on the roster that's older. Um, Let's give him a shot. Let's make our adjustments early before we totally throw the season away, Um, especially before conference play starts and try to figure this out. So I will tip my hat to Sarkeesian on that. Um, I will say the play calling by Sarkeesian has been pretty good, I thought, um, on the offensive side. Um, The run defense was really the issue um, on the defensive side. I thought um, the the pass coverage was decent enough to win. So um, they do need to talk or, you know, talk to these guys about wrapping up on defense on when they're going to tackle guys instead of especially B.J. Foster tries to lay the wood every play. Uh, you know, of course, that's going to ha- you know work out, you know, a low percent of the time, and it's going to be a big play, but uh, you've got to wrap up first, and then you can start, um, you know, trying to punch the ball out. That was another thing that led to a touchdown. He tried to rip the ball out on the five, and the guy carried him into the end zone. Um, that's just inexcusable, especially from a junior player, uh, you know, what's considered to be one of the top defensive backs in the country. I mean, come on, dude, you've got to step up and set an example for the younger guys. Stop trying to make the big play all the time and make the right play. Um, so that's another thing they need to address is, you know, wrapping up on tackles and finishing plays. Um, you can try to, you know, you can lay the wood and wrap up. And you can also rip the ball out, um, you know, as you're trying to tackle a guy. Um, so these guys, they need to make those adjustments if they want to have success on the defensive side. Um, staying in the Big 12, Joe, the big announcement on Friday was they're going to be adding four teams, I believe, in 2024. Uh, to the Big 12, as as we know, OU and Texas will be departing in 2025, uh, possibly before that, if because uh, money speaks. But uh, UCF is going to be joining BYU, Cincinnati, and University of Houston going to the Big 12, replacing us, getting them back up to 12 teams. Uh, 
what are your initial thoughts of the moves and uh, what do you think is going to happen with the uh, conference going forward? Uh, I mean, I guess they're okay teams. Cincinnati, uh, you know, they're, they're ranked pretty high this year. Uh, they're usually pretty good in football, basketball, but uh, we talked about it a little bit, you know, how is the, uh, you know, playing with the big boys now going to change how these teams actually perform in season? You know, are they going to still be these quote-unquote dominant forces in football like UCF going, I don't even remember, like 30-something games yeah, that won, like, two or three under, under uh, you know, when they were at the helm with uh, McKenzie uh, Milton and whatnot. I mean, it. I guess it remains to be seen. Uh, Cincinnati uh, will definitely bring uh, an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, competition, especially in basketball. You know, they're always pretty good in basketball. They're always in the tournament. So, so the Big Twelve will definitely be stacked with basketball talent. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston, uh, they're kind of hit or miss. Yeah, they're, they're kind of better. I feel, like, I feel like they really haven't been on the map since the Tom Herman era over there. But I, I guess, it, you know, definitely getting all 12 teams back is going to be good, especially if, you know, say that the Big 12 does produce good football again, like Tech. I feel like Tech and Baylor are probably the top ones to be able to do that in the near future. Um, you know, it gives them a shot at actually being in a college football playoff because they have a, a full um, conference now. There's not going to be any of this uh, BS splitting the title and whatnot. Yeah, true. I mean, uh, I think uh, the additions are pretty good. I mean, like you said, basketball, they're still going to be tough. Like, Houston's been pretty good. They made it to the Final Four this last year. Uh, BYU's pretty decent in all sports. They've been, you know, they had Zach Wilson the last few years there in football, so they can they can play pretty well at football. UCF, we know, is pretty good in football. We'll see how they do in the big time. Cincinnati's ranked high, like you said. So I don't know. It's it's pretty decent moves for a a conference that was about to kind of self-implode. Um, it's that, like, at least that's what it was starting to sound like. So it uh, should be interesting to see how it plays out. We'll see if Texas is even still in 2024 uh, to play this out because it could be one year where there's 14 teams uh, in that conference. But I don't know. I, they've got – these programs have so much money, they'll probably buy out contracts and move over earlier. Um, staying up down here in the uh, Countdown City, Joe, uh, the UTSA Roadrunners are 2-0 and after the big win in week one over uh, Illinois, the Fighting Illini, uh, and they just obliterated Lamar on Saturday night. Um Another home game for the runners this weekend um, at the Alamo Dome at 5 p.m. It's going to be against Middle Tennessee, who's a decent uh, team there, um, especially for these guys to go up against. Um, rumor has it um, from from Big Joe, tickets are $10. Uh, 
to get in. So I think uh, me and Joe are going to go try to check out the runners this weekend and uh, see see how they're looking in person. Uh, of course, the stats look pretty good so far uh, for the guys. They pretty much brought back the team. Uh, Frank Harris is running the QB again, kind of a dual threat guy. Um, they got, um, you know, they were giving them high praise. Uh, at least Andy Everett was the voice of the, of the runners, uh, sincere McCormick, the running back, um, should be in Heisman consideration because of the numbers he put up last year. And he's well on his way to do that again. And then they've got a big receiver in Sakari Franklin um, on the outside who put up big numbers last year, and he's doing that again so far um, for the runners. Um, any thoughts on the runners and Conference USA, Joe, and what these guys might be able to accomplish this year? Uh, definitely the, the road runners. You know, it's good to see uh, well, UTSA getting themselves more on the map. I feel like – it's kind of been a struggle for, you know, their students and their fans. And, you know, it, I, I guess it's finally getting those groups to buy in and, you know, bypass a lot of these bigger schools. And it's crazy because I feel like the trend is a lot of these uh, really good players are going to the um, historically black college universities and university schools. They're going to these smaller D1 uh D1 FBS schools and even the FCS and you're seeing a lot of that in the NFL now with this new generation of players and I think it's mostly due to the fact that Alabama has been so dominant that you know a lot of these really good ESPN top 100 players feel like well you know if I go over there I might not start so it's kind of starting to spread the talent all across and everybody's not really going to the SEC anymore um, but yeah, I mean, the thing that I read about the $10 tickets moving forward and whatnot is their coach wanting them to, you know, pretty much pack the entire Alamo Dome and make it seem like a legit home game for the guys. So it seems to be working. Yeah, I think, uh, they have a good coach there and Jeff Trailer uh, had a good season last year for the guys and made some good strides forward. Uh, I think they went into a bowl game or they got close um, last year. I think they were in one. Uh, I don't think they won it. It would have been a pretty big deal, but I think they made it into one. Um, but they seem to be moving in the right direction, and uh, they've got some pretty good players that have stuck around. So... Uh, should be interesting to see in person what the atmosphere is like at the Alamo Dome and uh, take a look at these guys and kind of size them up and see if we can get excited for them to go uh, as the season goes on. So um, looking forward to that. Uh, just browsing around the uh, NCAA. Uh, real quick before we uh, have to go to break and then we'll go into our NFL uh, segment. Um, anything else that was worthy of mention before we move on, Joe? 
Well, USC just got rid of their coach, uh, so it'll be interesting what happens with that. You can see. Okay, yeah, that's a big one. That job the last few years has just been tossed around. Uh, they just have not been, really since Pete Carroll, it's just been kind of an odd vacancy where they, you know, even they had Sarkeesian a few years ago and Lane Kiffin, the guy they had now. So I don't know. That's, you know, another big job. They'll probably give it to the offensive coordinator or something to be interim head coach. But, um, yeah, that's an interesting take there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit weird. It's almost as if ever since Mac Brown and Pete Carroll were in that national championship, both of those programs have pretty much gone downhill, and there really hasn't been any sight of, like, going back to the glory days, which is odd. It's yeah. Like a curse. I guess, yeah, Mac Brown was still there when we had Colt McCoy, and they played Bama, and Garrett Gilbert came in. So that was really the last time Texas was good was that year, other than the Sugar Bowl one that we talked about the other day. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're getting up here on the break, guys. You're listening to the 94 Feet and Beyond podcast. We've got some NFL analysis coming up for you. Uh, Monday Night Football's tonight. We'll talk a little bit about that and our first NFL weekend that we've got to see. Um, be sure to keep listening and keep it right here. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, guys. We're going to jump right into the NFL part of the show. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. Um, we'll start off with tonight, get the predictions out of the way. Uh, you know, of course, we've got the Las Vegas Raiders at home. Uh, new stadium, first time they're going to let fans in tonight, uh, playing Baltimore, banged up at running back, Joe. Um, they've had two or three guys at running back go down. Uh, and then, of course, Lamar Jackson, who has, uh, you know, made it to the playoffs two or three times and come up 0 for, 0 for so far um, for the Ravens. And then you've got uh, the Raiders on the other side who had the 27th-ranked defense last year um, and giving up points. Um, Offensively, about the same. Um, Darren Waller is going to be your big target at tight end. Josh Jacobs, they brought in Kenyon Drake. Um, Hunter Renfro, wide receiver. Um what are your thoughts about this Monday night matchup, Joe? And uh, who do you think is going to pull this out tonight? Uh, you know, with even with the injuries, I think uh, he's still – well, actually multiple injuries, I should say. Um, you know, you even have your best corner, one of your best corners, if not two of your best corners down. I, I still think the Ravens will somehow be able to pull it out. <clears throat> I just think Mar Jackson's – too much of a playmaker to take over with his legs. Um, Derek Carr, I mean, man, you know, they, the Raiders just have no weapons, I feel like. And, yeah, and who do they have? Henry Ruggs, the third? Yeah, Henry That's, Ruggs, I think, uh, is their main guy. And then Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Not so, I don't think yeah, there's he, much else. 
that's what I'm saying. And I don't even know how good their offensive line is. But, I mean, you know, a lot of changes this year. Uh, I, to me personally, this is uh, – depending on how Lamar Jackson looks tonight, it's going to quiet or cause even more doubters than what he already has. If the, if the Raiders can stop the run – which I feel like should be a pretty easy task, especially with with Third the injury. Running back. Yeah, I, I, if they can do that, then they, if they can make Lamar Jackson throw and that play, you know, decent to tight coverage, then I'll give the Raiders the win. But if they can't stop the run, even with the third string running back, then I feel like the Ravens are just going to run all over them. Yeah, good point. I mean, uh, they were 27th in points allowed last year with the Raiders, so uh, could be could be tough for them to stop the run. Evidently, this third string running back uh, Tyson Williams is pretty good. Evidently, um, he was, uh, I guess. Um, on the practice squad last year and did pretty well for the guys. Uh, they made some remarks about his preparation and how he brought it every practice. And he looked pretty good in the preseason on some runs. So I don't know if they can get him going against a weak Raiders defense. And then if the, uh, if the, um, you know, if the Ravens offensively can start throwing the ball downfield to Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, um, then you, you, you're going to have some, you know, trouble for the Raiders. Um, like I, like you were saying, I don't know. It's tough. If, uh, Lamar Jackson is playing well, uh, you know, making plays downfield, uh, making plays with his feet, um, I think the Ravens win in a close one. I think it'll be a good game tonight, um, hopefully, um, but I think it will be. Um, and I just think it's just too much for the, the Raiders, man. Like you said, they just don't have enough weapons offensively, and they probably have a questionable at best O-line. Defense is pretty bad, um, unless they've made some major adjustments, but – um, we'll see, but I, I'll, I'll take the Ravens in a close one tonight. Um, looking at the other games of no, we'll start out with your Cowboys, Joe. Um, they played Thursday night against the uh, Super Bowl champion, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, in a close game, uh, that they led for a good portion of it. Of course, there was the uh, missed PAT and uh, missed field goal by Greg DeLeg, a couple, one of them that was really makeable um, at 31 yards. And then the PAT, of course, he booted a 60-yarder that uh, actually was pretty close. Um, but they held it in there, and they were, gave themselves a chance to win, but they left too much time for Tom Brady to march downfield and get the game-winning field goal. Um, Joe, what do you, you know, your squad here, what are your initial thoughts on the Cowboys and what you've seen from them so far this year and the adjustments they made in the offseason and additions? Yeah, 
Uh, definitely was impressed with uh, how they entered the game and finished it. Uh, defense struggled early, and it kind of settled down once the second uh, quarter uh, started. You know, first drive on defense, Tom Brady just picked them to pieces. Uh, Anthony Brown was given the work by by Antonio Brown all game long, and I'm really surprised that uh, Tom Brady didn't exploit that mismatch a lot more. You know, maybe it was part of the game plan. Maybe he did, you know, we don't really see the looks that Tom Brady's seeing. Because of the camera angle, maybe they started giving him more safety help over the top. Um, Dak, you know, looked impressive. So I'll give him credit where credit's due. I really thought he was going to struggle a little bit. You know, it's been a very long time since he's thrown the ball. Passes look like they had some mustard on it. He's being in some tight windows. Uh, Amari Cooper looked in mid-season form. Uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, uh, you know, a few big, a few big drops that. Could have kept the, some drives alive, and ultimately we had to punt. Uh, there was one ill-advised throw by Dak. Uh, it's understandable, though. You know, I wasn't upset about it. You're just trying to make something happen. You know, rally your troops. You, you're trying to recapture that uh, that momentum because it just seemed like they were stalling and just getting three points out of those turnovers. And you really needed a, a big play to spark the team. You know especially with your defense stepping up and causing, what was it, four turnovers? Yeah, two picks, um, two fumbles. Yeah, I saw I saw a, a stat. I think the Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith days are over. It looks like uh, when I saw it, they only played uh, 14 and 16 snaps a piece. Uh, they're more on special teams, if anything, so I think I think that era is, has gone and passed. Uh, Man, what else? Uh, Zeke, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at the production Zeke got. I mean, he only had like 30-something, 40 yards, but he did a lot of the dirty work. He was picking up a lot of those blitzes, giving Dak time to, to run, and I think that's where, uh, you know, a lot of people really get frustrated and don't understand the game too much. You know, he, Zeke might not have been productive in the run game, but, you know, Tampa Bay was... You know, the runs that he did have on those 14, 15 carries, he was doing little to no damage. But when it came time to pick up blitzes and give Dak time, I mean, Zeke was your man. He was doing all the dirty work, and that gets overlooked. Uh, Got to give praise to, to Marcus Lawrence. I always give him a, a bunch of grief because he doesn't get the sacks. But, uh, you know, he was he was getting those double teams. He was pushing the pocket on Tom Brady. But, you know, these other guys need to – find a way to win their one-on-one matchups and give them help. But I feel like once these other guys start to win those one-on-one matches, uh, Marcus Lawrence is going to start getting his. Uh, it, it's a it's defense and work. They have a lot of potential, but a lot to clean up heading into week two against a really dangerous Chargers team, especially being down Randy Gregory now uh, due to COVID-19 protocol and being down Lyle Collins because of uh, – getting suspended and I wanted to touch on that a little bit. It looks like he was actually going to all of his drug testing and passing them but the NFL is uh, deeming him for not showing up to some but originally they were seen as uh, mitigating circumstances because the five drug tests that he did miss or when players were in COVID protocol he was actually sent home so He's actually appealing, but a lot of uh, analysts are thinking that the NFL is uh, still going to um, 
uphold that uh, that suspension. So a lot of people are are pretty pissed right now, just around the league in general, especially agents, because it's like, well, you know, a lot of these players probably miss drug testing because of the whole COVID thing, and then you're punishing them for that even after, you know, they've been clean for X amount of months. So it should be interesting what happens. Yeah, that's a sticky situation for the guys. Uh, we'll keep monitoring it, but uh, from my perspective, I mean, Prescott looked really good, uh, especially, you know, throwing the ball, being elusive in the pocket. Um, defense definitely took a step up. They were playing a lot harder, a lot more aggressive. Um Play calling looked good on both sides. So, um, in their division, they should dominate if they play that way, especially if they can get some of these guys back off suspension and um, out of the COVID protocol. So, it should be a it should be a pretty good year for the guys. Um, looking at some of the other games, uh, of course, the Patriots went down to uh, the Dolphins, sixteen to seventeen. And a tight one um, under uh, rookie quarterback Mac Jones. Uh, he looked pretty. He looked really good in his debut. I think he uh, threw for like 280 yards and a touchdown. Um, I saw that Damian Harris had a few fumbles. Um, that was, you know, that's tough to see just because he's a good running back, but you got to be able to help out a rookie quarterback and not give the ball away, especially on the ground. So, um, you know, it's tough to see that. Uh, they did change it up on offense with some of the weapons. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had the lone touchdown. Johnu Smith played pretty well. Uh, they put Hunter Henry in the fold with some of those double tight end sets. Um, you know, just looking at that, um, and then some of the other guys that they already had, like Nikhil Harry and um, some of those other route runners, uh, looked pretty good. James White had a pretty good game um, out of the backfield. Um, so it's going to be, you know, a pretty interesting, interesting uh, watch to see how it unfolds for the guys. Um, moving forward, of course, the defense should have played a little bit better. Uh, you know, they um, could have gotten a little more pressure on Tua and stuff like that. Um, I think they had, you know, one interception that might have been the lone turnover. Um, I think uh, all, all in all, the uh, the uh, upside for the Patriots looks pretty good, um, especially with, you know, they phased out Newton and cut him. There's no distraction there. There wasn't really much of a future there with them. Um, outsider pers- outsider's perspective, Joe, uh, what do you think on uh, the Patriots so far? Uh, Mac Jones, uh, he's a he's a natural born leader. You can tell. Guys seem to have rallied to him. Ready as a rookie, uh, you see a little bit of Bergie in him. Honestly, uh, he's in my opinion, he's definitely the uh, the best quarterback to come out of that draft. So I think he's the most NFL ready 
and it, it's it's obvious, you know, he's the only rookie that didn't struggle. And yeah, I know it's only game one, but it's he's continuing it pretty much where he left off from the preseason. Uh, I feel like he did more than enough to win that game. Uh, you know, you take away the mental mistakes by the running backs, the penalties, and I mean, they're probably blowing the Dolphins out. And just when you think that the Patriots are about to take control of the game, there's a fumble, and now is the end of it, pretty much. Uh, he, I know a lot of people are saying, "Well, you know, he's dinking, you know, he's dinking and dunking here and there." I mean, he had two or three big throws that I saw on TV, thirty yeah. plus. That deep ball to Nelson yeah, Aguilar he, for the yeah, touchdown. Yeah, he had huge gains, only for it to be called back on an offensive holding. I mean, yeah. There's something you can do about that. It's something that he's out of, you know, out of his control. The deep accuracy is obviously there. Um, you know, very uncharacteristic uh, outing for a Bill Belichick defense, let alone the discipline. But I think the Patriots will be all right. It's still going to be between them and the Bills, but I still think they make the playoffs either way. Uh, we got some questions here, Joe. Uh... Mike Moe says, should I start Josh Jacobs tonight? I told him yes. I would. Yeah, he's a – that should be a lock on that. And then uh, Robert Quid out here says, I'm down four points in my fantasy league and I need four points out of the Baltimore defense. Is this a lock? Oh, definitely. You'll probably get about say, I would say yes on that one too. The only thing I could see is that to like screw that point system up is if uh, Henry Rudd goes off. Doubt because, because of the corners being hurt. Yeah, that's true, but I don't know. I would take them. It is Derek Carr. Derek Carr is almost like a even worse Tony Romo. <laughs> he's uh, a poor man's Tony Romo. Yeah, he's nothing special, that's for sure. Um, we'll get to a couple more of these matchups here. Uh, of course, uh, Cleveland and Kansas City. Uh, Cleveland had a big lead on Kansas City and blew it uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, punter fumbled the punt or the snap and kicked it right into the defense. Um, tough go for the Browns because that really should have been a victory for them. That set them up on the 10-yard line. They punched that one in. That was pretty much game over after that. Um, they had a couple attempts at driving um, the ball downfield, but it just wasn't enough. Um, so, uh, they just couldn't get it done, unfortunately. Um, here's Mike Moe again, Joe. It's either Josh Jacobs or the uh, running back for the uh, the Ravens tonight, Taysom Williams. I don't know. I mean, that you know, that's a tricky one. I don't think you can go bad with either one. Either one's going to put up points. Jacobs might do a little more, but just because he's more experienced. So, I don't know. That's probably what I would do. Um. But any thoughts on what you saw from the Browns-Kansas uh, City matchup, Joe? Uh, Kansas City looks vulnerable. They didn't impress me. It was more of the Browns-Brownsy 
think the Browns lost that game more than Kansas City actually won. Yeah. So you know, sure. my my, I would pump the brakes on Kansas City. Yeah, you know that Patrick Mahomes. So what? They didn't look impressive whatsoever. The Browns, you know, got relaxed. They, you know, a lot of mental mistakes. Baker Mayfield, for whatever reason, stopped doing what he was doing all game long. Maybe it was the play calling. Not sure, but I think the Browns will be okay. I think it's their division to lose up in the north. Oh yeah, they uh, they really should win, especially. Um, you know, they had a good good year last year and they were up on the Chiefs again in the in that game in the playoffs, that divisional, I think. Um ended up losing that one. That was without um Odell Beckham Jr. Um for, you know, about more than half the season, I think. So that could be a big part of the offense. Of course, uh Chubb and Kareem Hunt are huge in the running game for these guys. Um and Jarvis Landry, uh, I believe they still have Austin Hooper at tight end. Um, of course, OBJ. Um, they've got a couple other like kind of mid-level wide receivers that um, do pretty well for them. So they should have a you know a good year, and they should be able to beat the Steelers. I would think. Um, you know, the Steelers actually. Um, had a big win against uh, the Buffalo Bills yesterday. Um, after being down 10-0 at half, the Steelers came back and won that one. Um, big turnover at the end. Uh, I think that was another uh, bad punt that ended up being a, a touchdown for the Steelers, um, ultimately sealing the victory. Um, but Roethlisberger looked pretty good. Um, the wideouts look decent. Uh, the running game could use a little work. My boy Najee Harris didn't do me any favors in fantasy, but, um, they'll probably clean that up. Um, any thoughts on that Buffalo and Pittsburgh matchup, Joe? Well, uh, Cole Beasley, you know, seems to be, Dropping balls again, so there's that. I think he should be focusing more on football than his uh, whole COVID conspiracy stuff. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be an issue with him for sure. That's going to, you know, work and, you know, take away from some of his production because he may end up positive during the season at some point. I mean, people that are vaccinated are popping up positive, so um, – He's going to, you know, have issues there, but they'll probably rebound and end up playing pretty well the rest of the year, I'm sure. Um, and you had the uh, the big one was uh, New Orleans just pouncing the Packers and Aaron Rodgers just looking terrible out there, making ill-advised throws, a couple interceptions, no touchdowns for the uh, the Packers yesterday. Just one lone field goal in the 38-3 to loss to Jameis Winston and the uh, Saints. And Winston, who threw five touchdowns yesterday, and uh, they had a really good ground game with Alvin Kamara. Um, Saints look like they're going to be a pretty good team with him at the helm. And then on the other side, it looks like Rodgers just doesn't care He's just kind of going through the motions and he's playing terrible right now. 
Um, of course, they will probably figure it out, but they've got to have an attitude adjustment from him for sure. Um, any thoughts on that one, Joe? Yeah, he looked really lackadaisical out there. Uh, he's definitely looking old, uh, the gray beard and all. I, I, and I agree with everything he said. He made a good point. He just looks like he doesn't want to be there. You know, I mean, my thing is, if you don't want to be there, then get the hell out. You know, why are you putting your team in such a bad position and being a prima donna just because they drafted Jordan Love, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. if you don't want to play, get the hell out and, you know, let this kid start and see what he can do. Don't run the franchise into the mud. And I know he always made that comment that uh, he would never be like Brett Favre, yada, yada, yada. But he's doing the exact same thing that Brett Favre did. So it's no surprise there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a known diva. He's mm-hmm. probably worse than these wider divas nowadays. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't bitch all offseason about uh, not, you know, wanting to be there and the situation that you're in and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, not do any workouts and show up to camp late and uh, expect to go out there on Sunday and perform. I mean, you know, he didn't do anything off in the offseason. He hosted Jeopardy. He played in the damn match. He was playing more golf than he was football. I mean, if you want to retire, retire. You know, spare us, please. Like, we get it. You don't want to play for the Packers, but maybe you shouldn't play for anybody if you're going to play like this. Exactly. Um, we'll run through a couple of these about six minutes left on the show. Uh, Arizona made a statement against Tennessee, Joe. Big win for Kyler Murray and those guys. Offense looked really good. Um, they held Tennessee um, to a very low score. I can't remember exactly, but uh, many thoughts on that one, Joe. Uh, Arizona looks like a contender. Um, I was very surprised by Tennessee. I thought they would be a lot better, especially with the addition of Julio Jones. But uh, Arizona, again, like you said, statement win. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals put the NFC West on notice. That'll be a fun division to watch. I think it's going to come down to the wire between, uh, I'm thinking, Arizona and um, – Seattle, uh, just to, to touch up on the NFC West real quick. Uh, yes, sir. Raheem Mostert, you know, he's out for eight weeks. He tore some cartilage in his knee, so that's a big blow to uh, the 49ers moving forward. Yeah, that is. Uh, maybe Trey Sermon will get some carries, and I think there's another guy like Etwan Mitchell or something. So those could be some running backs on the radar. Um of course, the Philadelphia Eagles, Joe, put the hurt on uh, Atlanta. Matt Ryan just not getting it done on offense again. No real rush attack. Defense is trash. Same thing from the Dirty Birds. Um, but Philly looked pretty sharp with Jalen Hurts at QB. Um, you know, um they should be uh, someone for y'all to be reckoned with in that division, Joe. What do you think? Uh, the Eagles are the Eagles. I'm not impressed by them. It's the uh, Atlanta Falcons after all. So let's pump the brakes over on that side. Yes, sir. Uh, I think the 
I think the Eagles still end up with the losing record. Uh, I think the Cowboys put the beating on them. I think the Giants and Danny Dimes somehow put the just somehow put the beating on them. Um, just expect a lot of drop passes over there on that side of the field, and uh, it hurts. I know everybody likes to claim him as a winner. He ain't no, he ain't no damn winner. He hasn't won anything. Let's not celebrate like it's the Super Bowl now. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to, we we evidently we need to see more from the Eagles and Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Jalen Hurts, and Miles Sanders next week for Joe to be convinced that these guys are contenders. Um, <laughs> also, uh, you know, the last game of the night, Joe, was uh, the Los Angeles Rams at full capacity at home versus the Chicago Bears. Um, you know they had they were starting uh, the Red Rocket Andy Dalton at QB um, had some decent moments there, but it's kind of one of those situations. If and when uh, will uh, Justin Fields start? And he did get some snaps last night, mostly running the ball. Got one rushing touchdown. Um, they kept it a close game there for a little while. They were in contention, and they finally just. Couldn't keep up. Uh, Matthew Stafford's arm looked really good, and that offense. Of course, they don't have Cam Akers anymore, but uh, maybe Daryl Henderson can be serviceable, and Sony Michelle whenever they get him going in the fold. Um, but I thought the Rams' offense looked really good with him at quarterback. They can throw downfield consistently now. Um, for the Bears, the defense looked good. Um, obviously, the Rams' defense was pretty good. Uh, it's just the thing for the Bears. It's just when are they going to just let loose and let Fields go? Um, any thoughts on that one before we end the show, Joe? Uh, you know, I'm very uh, – you know, if there is a way to slap Coach Nagy across the face <laughs> with a playbook, I would. Uh, you know, I, I just don't get the thought process between – you know, start not starting Justin Fields and starting Andy Dalton, let alone having Justin Fields drive you all the way into the red zone, threatening, threatening. You throw Andy Dalton in, and this idiot throws a pick in the red zone. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't understand the thought process. I, I don't either. I mean, of course, yeah, he's a veteran quarterback. He started in Cincy all those years. He played last year, but I just he didn't do well last year, obviously. Uh, like, dude, you're, not, you're not in the business of making sure people's feelings don't get hurt. You're trying to win a Super Bowl. You're trying to go to the playoffs. Unless you don't value your job that much, I'm sure there are plenty of people around the world that would like would love to make millions to coach mm-hmm. and not make any other decision. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's that's kind of been his issue the whole time. I think it was the, going back to the Trubisky thing and passing up on Mahomes for him and clearing the way for him. So, well, you know, definitely quarterback issues there just because of the coaching. But, hey, that's all the time we got, at least on the recording here. Um, Thanks for listening to the show, guys. This is the 94 Feet and Beyond podcast with your host, Sam Berg, and uh, co-host Joe Martinez. We'll see you next time.